0: Greetings, 757. I'm Sean Avery, President and CEO of the Hampton Roads Workforce Council, and you're listening to Think Higher. Every month, we're bringing you engaging conversations with workforce development think tanks in our region. And today, I have two of those thought leaders with me, my colleague, Christina Brooks, our Senior Director of our Next Gen and Special Projects, and Dr. Jane Glassow, the Executive Director of EVMS Minus 9 to 5 Program. Thank you for being here today. Thank Appreciate you. that. First, Thank let me you. say... Happy Women's History Month.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Perfect topic to get us started. Uh, It's fitting that we Mm -hmm. focus this episode on Think Higher, on women in the workforce. And I know you both have been working in this space to ensure more equitable outcomes for women in our regional workforce, particularly in industries where they are underrepresented. Here at the Workforce Council, we have launched several programs and initiatives, such as our Women's and Skilled Careers program aimed at providing employment opportunities for women in some of those in-demand industries. Christina? Why don't you tell me a little bit about that program?
1: Absolutely. So the Women in Skilled Careers Program is very close to my heart. It is designed to not just help women in our region identify those opportunities to advance in careers where we're underrepresented, but also to help really dig into the retention challenges for why women don't stay in spaces in which we are harder to find, So that we can help our companies develop those robust talent pipelines. We know that there is a lot of work to do. We're losing some ground in recruiting and retaining women in leadership in general as well as in these spaces such as skilled trades and technical careers where we still represent less than a quarter of the workforce and skilled trades, we're still less than 3% of the workforce. So we've developed a program that will provide robust, supportive services that will help women while they're going through training, complete that training, as well as enter the workforce, as well as retention-focused efforts that will coach our local industries through identifying the challenges that their women are having in the workplace, create solutions for those efforts, and retain our workforce here in our region.
0: Great, and we wouldn't be able to do that without our friends at the U.S. Department of Labor who actually provided us a WANTO grant. And I'm gonna have to look up WANTO just to make sure I spell that, say that right. Women in Apprenticeship and Non-Traditional Occupations. Correct. Could you tell me a little bit about that grant and what's that mm-hmm. um, what what that is doing to help uh, yeah. our region?
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, the Wantow grant was provided by the Department of Labor's Women's Bureau, which is a division of the federal government that is dedicated to helping advance women in the workforce. The WANTO grant is a seven hundred and fourteen thousand dollar investment from the Department of Labor that will provide robust supportive services such as childcare, transportation. We'll be able to purchase uniforms, tools, equipment that will help. Women launch in the industry. We are also developing a network of a um support systems, such as support groups, focus groups, to better understand why women leave once they get into those locations, and technical assistance programming for employers to identify what those key challenges really are. It's a two-year grant. It joins an investment from the Keenan Foundation that is also providing learning stipends and supportive services to support women in these skilled careers programs.
0: Yeah, the great thing about this program, it matches right into what we're doing in the maritime industry. Mm-hmm. A couple of other programs that we've got is the Good Jobs Challenge grant, the $11 mm-hmm. million dollar grant we got, and mm-hmm. uh, Hampton Road Strong pro- uh, program that's being funded right now through the governor's office. Mm-hmm. But come July 1, we funded through the General Assembly. All these investments totaling almost $40 million, almost $50 mm-hmm. million, dollars, if you add in the Navy money, are really helping to drive our maritime focus. And one of those big efforts are Reaching non-traditional populations mm-hmm. in there. And and so women are gonna be a big role in that. And we have recruiters that are gonna be part mm-hmm. of that. How does this all tie in together as we're starting to grow this workforce and really go after individuals to get them into these occupational areas?
1: Yeah, so it's actually really interesting because when we went to um, evolve our Women in Skilled Careers program through the WANTO funding, we actually engaged women who went through our pilot effort to join the maritime industry. And we asked them, what works, what doesn't work? And for those of you who went into shipbuilding and repair, why did you leave? And we used that information to build out what the WISC program would become so that we can help those retention a little stronger. As we're building out this system, we're going to be engaging in more of those conversations directly with women and other underrepresented populations in order to build those pathways into the maritime industry, as well as all of those other industries where um, women are harder to find. We're going to be doing grassroots recruitment efforts at the neighborhood level, engaging our community organizations, our faith-based institutions, and really digging in to find individuals where they live, where they play, and where they build their families so that we can connect them to these opportunities.
0: Yeah, we're not just focusing on the maritime industry. Mm -hmm. We're going to replicate this into the information technology and the cybersecurity Mm -hmm. and the healthcare and all of our industries. Because again, we know after the pandemic, we've had a hard time getting Mm -hmm. people back into the workforce and really getting them to go into these career opportunities. And so we're, we're pushing out all the barriers and trying to make, make it easier for people to get in there. Are there any other examples that we're working on to try to get women into this?
1: Absolutely. You know, we lost a lot of women and a lot of individuals in the workforce in general through the Great Recession, and I know it's been called a siege C-session. But we also have this challenge where we are not having as many women come back into the workforce, but we're also seeing women leave at an unprecedented rate from their leadership positions while they are currently there. For every one woman who is promoted into a director-level position, two are leaving their organization. So we are losing ground at diversifying in our leadership as well as within the entry-level positions. That first rung on the ladder is still broken for every 100 men who are promoted into a management-level position. Only 87 women are, and only 82 women of color are promoted into leadership roles. So the WISC program is going to be really digging into that information building out those support networks, launching mentorship programs so that we can connect women who are in leadership with the women who are rising so that we can retain those numbers, working with our industry partners, not just in maritime, but everywhere where you're not going to find women in the majority. So those IT clusters, even parts of healthcare where it's going to be male dominated, you're going to find us in the building trades, a lot of just really good work to come in order to help turn that tide.
0: So we've got a lot of resources to help individuals get into training, mm-hmm. but we know that there's still barriers there, yep. such as mm-hmm. childcare, such mm-hmm. as transportation, such as those issues that are that are really affecting individuals, their ability to get back into the workforce or even get into the workforce. And a lot of this has been brought on even more to the to the forefront due to COVID-19. And so as a result, many uh, employers are still struggling to find the talent and diversify and, and bring on the workforce. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of that is has impacted women. Um, they've really had an ex, uh, an exodus from the workforce. Uh, a lot of it is causing a lot of the talent shortages that we have in the region. Dr. Glasgow, oh, I want yeah. to bring you into this conversation because sure. I think you're one of the best yeah. solutions that we have yeah. in the region. No pressure. Uh, we know you're going to solve all this issue, but uh, can you tell us about Minus 9 to 5 and how you're helping us with solve sure. this? Sure,
2: sure. Well, um, the child care Uh, workforce and the child care um, system in Hampton Roads is one sliver of what we do, Um, but I'll tell you a little bit about minus nine to five, and then we can talk directly about child care and some of those issues that are impacting the- Workforce in Hampton Roads. So minus nine to five is a collective impact initiative. We're housed at the Department of Pediatrics at Eastern Virginia Medical School. People might be saying, "Wow, why would um, something around childcare and and families um, be housed in the Department of Pediatrics?" Um, and it's a, a great opportunity for EVMS to talk about how important it is for holistic child development that we focus on all areas. So we focus on um, healthy homes and healthy children. We focus on um, thriving families. All the supports. That that families need to raise children who are healthy, thriving, and ready to learn, um, early learning and development. So, really, that's where our child care work sits. And then we also have um, data and knowledge, policy and advocacy, and, and a work group on community connections. So, we really focus on all areas of um, children and families, really focused on the system. Um, but today, I really want to talk a little bit more about the um, child care piece because we know that's, um, as Christina shared, is one of the many factors that are impacting impacting um, the women in our workforce today.
0: Perfect. Uh, (laughs) We'll get into that. That, That's that's a perfect setup um, because uh, Mm -hmm. as we learned from Christina, there are opportunities available Mm -hmm. for women uh, in all industries. I mean, we want them to get involved in everything that we're involved in. So I will tell you, Women make mm-hmm. the best welders. Employers mm-hmm. say that, and so we need to get them involved mm-hmm. in it. Well, they make they make the best everything, right? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, uh, however, um, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, two million women have mm-hmm. left the workforce since twenty twenty in twenty twenty, yeah. and there is actually a term for this. I've never even heard yeah. of this she session mm-hmm. yes. okay new to me this is hitting the business community hard in terms of recruitment and retention so that we no longer can afford uh, to ignore how child care is impacting our, our, our workforce um, it's re- it's really yeah. having a, a major impact on us and you've mm-hmm. done a lot of work around trying to get businesses to understand that mm-hmm. and how we can get family-friendly businesses can you yeah. talk about that project
2: sure um, you know it kind of in response i think that the pandemic showed us a lot of things um, but one of them was i think the fragility of the child care system, um, which is still struggling, has still not responded um, or still rebounded. So we, as part of our work at Minus 9 to 5, um, in response to that, created a family-friendly business toolkit. And really, our it, the impetus behind that was trying to help businesses understand the challenges that um, working parents go through, predominantly women, um, because it seems that they're the ones who are trying to balance all of the responsibilities. Um, not in every case. I don't want to sound uh, stereotypic, but we know that it's impacting women more. And so through our toolkit, we created a handy toolkit that businesses can use to look at some really simple ways that they can begin to support Those working women. Um, The first one starts with just um, doing an assessment, looking at what are the needs of those employees in your company. Um, uh, You know, a company that provides services um, and is open working hours from nine to five is really going to be different than um, the shipyard where they're looking at welders who come in very early or stay late. Um, Our military population, the needs that they have are different. And so um, the first key to that family-friendly business policies are really looking at what are the needs of your employees surveying those people that work for you, um, as you were kind of talking mm-hmm. about in some of these grants, to find out exactly where those gaps are um, so that we can address them. But th- throughout the toolkit, there's other things, too, that talk about flexible scheduling. There's some talk about how you can um, in- increase the bottom line if you don't have dependent care accounts, um, if you don't have health savings accounts, some things that you can, um, policies that you can input, uh, put in place, and they will ensure that um, families are getting every every bit of their dollar. And we know right now that, you know, with the way that the economy is that every dollar counts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we also talk a lot about looking for childcare. Um, our childcare system has been really critically impacted a lot of it because of the challenging workforce, uh, childcare workforce situations, which we can talk about in a minute. Um, but many of our childcare's are not fully open because of the workforce and um, so families have a really hard time finding childcare. We hear of places that, you know, for 10 infant spaces, they have 75 infants on the waiting list. And so um, infants and toddlers on the waiting list. Is just really a challenge. I have several of my own colleagues who have not been able to find, mm-hmm. uh, you know, infant care, and so, um, you know, helping if if employers can create uh, some information, a resource in their HR department that says, hey, when when somebody announces that they're having a baby great. We're really excited for you. Here's some information of things that you can do. Um, here's some information on where you can find high quality child care. What does high quality child care look like? What are the different options? But what's a family day home? What's a child care center? What um, would it look like to have somebody come into your home? What are some of the subsidies and other supports that you can have? If you're military, there's a, a subsidy for that. If you are um, a certain income, you can qualify for um, Department of Social Services child care subsidies. And so providing all of that information to their employees really helps them be prepared and not wait until the baby's born and then decide that I need to start finding childcare, um, which is often going to leave me not mm-hmm. able to return to work on time or at all.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Jane, yep. uh, minus yep. nine to five, does yep. it represent the whole region here in Hampton Roads? We
2: do. We um kind of a little complicated. So uh, most of our work is in the five cities in Southampton Road, So Chesapeake, Norfolk, Portsmouth, Virginia beach, and Suffolk. Um, in addition, we are the ready region Southeastern lead, which means that we're working on, um, the in quality improvement, the new system in Virginia called um, VQB5, Virginia quality birth to five. Um, and so we are working with child care programs to um, expand access, to increase quality. We um, bring in some mixed delivery dollars, which provides additional spaces. We have another 200 spaces through that. Um, and so through our Ready Regions work, we not only work with the five cities in Southampton Roads, but we also work with the Eastern Shore, Ackermack and Northampton County, and then Western Tidewater with Southampton county franklin city isle of Wight, um and and then suffolk so great yeah
0: um as a regional yep. organization is there a peninsula uh counterpart um Is that Smart Beginnings?
2: Yes, it is. It is Smart Beginnings. They are representing the Ready Region's Chesapeake Bay. So they're doing a lot of the same type of work. They're doing the quality improvement work um, that we are. That's all coming down and funded by the state. You know, we are happy to share our family-friendly business toolkit. It's not anything specific to Hampton Roads. So that is, uh, you know, available to anybody in the region or across the state or, you know, or broader that might be interested in that information.
0: Yeah, because we we plan on this podcast going national. So uh, oh, we'll, there we we'll, go. we'll, we'll okay. make sure that everybody right. finds yes. out about it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you working closely mm-hmm. with the military base? We're hearing that, mm-hmm. that that could be an issue, especially with mm-hmm. readiness and, and them being able to find child care on the bases.
2: Absolutely, yes. Almost all of them in our region have child development centers. Some of them have multiple child development centers. Um, the military also contracts with family day home providers, and they do the monitoring for that. Um, but the waiting list for child care for our military personnel is long, sometimes in the thousands when somebody relocates um, um, you know, when they come to the area, um, they, their command tries to help them get child care. Um, one of the things that we we have been doing that's been um, beneficial to the military, especially the junior enlisted, um, is we have a mixed delivery grant that provides funding for child care. And we're working with Armed Services YMCA to provide three and four year old programming uh, there, which is great. It, it's a small number of spaces, but it's a start, you know. And um, the military, we we do work with them on um, the quality improvement, but they are ve- well invested in looking at at options um, in the region. And I know they also have a person who works on uh, finding nannies um, and matching those up with um, for military as well. But that's that is a big challenge. And then you know, when you think about the non traditional hours that our military often need, you know, as the mother of a service member, I know. He's doesn't always work, uh, traditional hours. And so finding programs that can care for children really early in the morning or overnight or during short deployments. Um, you know, not everybody has family to help out. Sure. It, it, so yeah.
0: child care, it's mm-hmm. a huge issue. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of different uh, inputs mm-hmm. into it, but yeah. we at least got an organization mm-hmm. that's working with us to yeah. try to find a solution. But it's going to yeah. take the whole region. And yeah. the military piece, mm-hmm. one of the big things that we like to promote here mm-hmm. is we've got military spouses mm-hmm. and military yeah. family members. Mm-hmm. But if they're not able to find childcare, they're yeah. not able to get in the workforce. So it's just a, its a rolling problem that we have. Mm-hmm. So I think the solution is, we've got to increase the workforce that's in the childcare.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) And so
0: who better to help do that than the Hampton Roads Workforce Council? And and so we've got to figure Mm. out programs and increase the training, increase the certifications. Mm. You have some ideas Mm. on that and how we can work together? Yeah,
2: we do. Uh, Right now, the childcare workforce um, is at a critical shortage. Um, Many of our childcare programs are operating at maybe 50% of their capacity because they simply don't have the staff to come in. Um, The average wage right now for child care providers in Hampton Roads is $14 for teachers. Um, And so we're hearing that teachers are leaving the workforce. And, you know, we hear in public school where they're paid more that those folks are leaving uh, and they're having a hard time recruiting. Imagine in a child care center where 80% of our child care programs in the region are not able to offer benefits to their employees um, and the lower wages. So we, you know, I think collectively have to start thinking about ways to increase wages. We have to start thinking about, uh, and that's really going to take some public and private dollar investments, I think, because you, you can't charge the parents more, um, but the business model for many child care programs, if you were to present the business model at, when you're opening a business like that to somebody, they would say that's probably not a really good investment um, just because your income comes from your families and your expenses are determined, some of them by the state, based on ratios and, and the care that you have to provide. So, um, But there are some great things um, working with Virginia Early Childhood Foundation on a fast track training program. Um, for teaching assistance, we've got some local child care providers who are really um, excited about taking a bold step and are offering $17 an hour for these positions. Right. Um, Virginia Early Childhood Foundation has some federal funding that is um, helping to train those folks. It's paid training, getting them into the centers. The centers then agree to do some mentoring. Um, they get a bonus at six months and a year. So, but we really have to think creatively, and as you said, it's going to take a lot of resources and a lot of creative thinking. If it was an easy problem to solve, we'd have had it solved a long time ago, but it is, uh, it is really challenging. Um, but I think it's, it's really cyclical right now. We don't have the childcare workforce, so we don't have enough capacity, which keeps other people from going to work. Um, they can only pay so much for childcare, which keeps the wages low, which keeps the workforce, um, at bay. So it's, it's really a challenge.
0: So we really need to break the cycle is yeah, what we absolutely. need to do it, it is an economic development activity yeah. too i mean if we yeah. can't grow the, we're not going to be able to grow the economy if we have these roadblocks right. in the way for for success. Christina yeah. i know mm-hmm. uh, were you going to
2: answer? I was just going to say, you know, I think we're really focusing on child care, but I think too, you know, equally uh, important is businesses, as we were talking about, understanding the impacts on families, the stress of childcare, the the stress of trying to balance when your child's in school and or you know playing sports or have you have a conference um, with the teacher, and so finding ways that we can help support all of that. All of those policies are part of the economic. Yeah. um, development issue, I believe.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree yeah. with that. I know our Virginia mm-hmm. career work mm-hmm. centers, our veteran centers mm-hmm. are really promoting these opportunities mm-hmm. for individuals it could be an entrepreneurship opportunity. Yeah. If somebody wants to open up a child care center, R- they've got an opportunity yeah. to, we have plenty of resources yeah, to so.
2: help, help connect them with the right things. I mean, there are resources out there. Um, and you know, the state is investing, um, in some of these things too. And our Virginia quality for those that accept any public funding, um, the state is this year providing a $2,500 stipend to child care providers who work more than 30 hours with children. Um, next year goes up to 3000 It's not um, a, a wage increase. It is a stipend that goes directly to the teacher, but that's something that we can do. Um, you know, for many of them, that could be up to 10% of their income um, in a bonus. So, um, you know, those are small ways, but we need to think about some strategic ways, put all those solutions together right. to figure something out.
0: Well, Christina, as, yeah. as our strategic person in the mm-hmm. organization, I know you have some thoughts on this as well. Would
1: you? Oh, absolutely. Always have some thoughts. Share some of the great ideas um, you've uh,
0: come up with. Yeah.
1: You know, I think we can talk about a couple of early wins that we've had with our good friends mm-hmm. at minus nine to five, such mm-hmm. as um, short-term credentialing that we've yep. piloted to help upskill our current workforce yep. so that we can grow that pipeline. And I think continuing to mm-hmm. look at ways of upskilling the existing child care workforce so that we mm-hmm. can help. Uh, retain those positions and help grow those wages is definitely something we want to dig in a little deeper on. Another early win that we had is this past Mm. summer, we partnered with Minus 9 to 5 to pilot paid internships for Mm. high school students to go into early childhood education. And in doing Mm. that, we're able to start that pipeline a few years younger. They're able to get a good solid one, two years of experience under their belts before they graduate and join the workforce Directly, and that can help build out that pipeline, getting the information out at that earlier age, as well as teaching our employers some of the um, strategic things they can do to build out connection points to those programming. Would like to see us doing some more. Um, Partnering with industry at getting creative and connecting mm-hmm. their working parents with child care, even teaming up with a child care provider down the street. Mm-hmm. What can we do to help parents strategically connect with child mm-hmm. care? Because Imagine being a single parent. You don't have private transportation, so you're trying to ride the bus to work. You've got a child that you need to take to another part of town mm-hmm. to drop off at daycare, and then you need to get to work in order to earn the funding to pay for that child care mm-hmm. f- provider. It's a huge web of complications. So mm-hmm. we can find ways where the employer, the family, the workforce council, the support systems can help make that strategic mm-hmm. plan for a family to identify a resource that would be a really great way to, to counter that.
0: Great idea, Christina, as always. Um, uh, Christina, Dr. Uh, Glasgow, uh, this has been a great discussion. Uh, Did you want to add one more? No, I'm, good. Okay. Yeah, I'm
2: good. Thank um, you. Well,
0: before we close, yeah. though, i got yeah. to ask you yeah. one request. Uh, can you please share with, to our employers yeah. that are listening where they can find that family-friendly
2: uh oh. Absolutely. Business toolkit? Yes, we have it um, front and center on our website. Um, there's a quick link right on the website. It's minus, M-I-N-U-S, the number 925, M-I-N-U-S, nine T O 5org Um, and right in the center, there's a big gold bar that says quick link to our family friendly business toolkit. Um, and we encourage that to be shared with whomever, uh, is interested, um, you know, share it with your employees, share it with your colleagues, um, who may be dealing with some of the same issues with their employees.
0: And we will also mm-hmm. share that yep. on all of our uh, social mm-hmm. media and website as yep. well. And Christina, where mm-hmm. can we find more information on our training programs mm-hmm. we have to offer? And
1: yep. So come find us Mm -hmm. at theworkforcecouncil.org and also stay tuned for the Women in Skilled Career Summit, Mm -hmm. which will be coming up in a couple of months, where we will discuss more in-depth how to understand women's recruitment retention challenges and build out those supports. So again, workforcecouncil.org, and you can give us a call at 757-314-2370.
0: Well, thank you both for this great conversation. Uh, I, you definitely encouraged us to think higher uh, today as we covered such important topics uh, for the region. And to our new viewers and listeners, if you enjoyed today's first episode, be sure to subscribe and share. Thanks for tuning in. This is Think Higher.